I often get emails, to be quite honest with you, inviting me to be the keynote speaker of a large conference in the UK. It's an all-expense trip, paid, paid trip for me and for Amy. They're going to pay me an honorarium. The first time I got one of these, I'm like, an all-expense trip paid to the UK with an honorarium. I get paid to do it and take my wife, Amy, with me. I don't have to pray about it. The Lord's already said yes, right? And so, but then, you know, it dawned on me. If it sounds too good to be true, it normally is, right? So I got on uh, and began to investigate. And what I found was there's this scam where scammers, they email pastors, uh, inviting them to be the keynote speaker of a major conference in the UK. And man, all expense paid, pastors get excited. They respond, I'm in, right? And, and when they respond, I'm in, they receive a second email saying, great, we've got you down. Uh, all you have to do is send us a few hundred dollars to start the visa process. Of course, you'll be reimbursed. And so pastors do that and they never hear from them again, right? So poor pastors have been scammed out of hundreds of dollars in hopes of a free trip to the UK, right? I mean, P.T. Barnum said there's a sucker born every minute. We all know that's true, right? I mean, scams are as old and they date back to Genesis 3. That's where we see the first scam when the enemy scammed Adam and Eve into disbelieving God, doing their own thing, and they've been happening ever since. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the sad thing is the internet in today's world has made it absolutely just so easy for scammers to take advantage of unsuspecting, vulnerable, and to be quite honest with you, even elderly people scamming them out of uh, thousands and thousands, millions of dollars a year. And to be quite honest, I'd love to get my hands, lay hands on some of those scammers in the name of Jesus, of course, you know what I mean? But uh, I mean, scams are, and let let me, let me say this. I want to tell you this because I don't want you to fall for this. My email gets hacked about once a week. Okay. People get emails from me all the time saying that I'm in a bad way and I need some money. Okay. And get, get, if you'll get some Google play cards or whatever, if you get one of those, it ain't me. Okay. If I need money, I'm going to call you and ask you. All right. I'm not going to send you an email. And so don't fall for that from anybody. Okay. And so, but scams are prevalent. Financial scams are prevalent and financial scams are dangerous, but you know, what's more prevalent and more dangerous spiritual scams. Financial scams uh, rob people of millions of dollars a year, but spiritual scams, they they, they steal your soul. They steal your assurance. And that's what we're doing in the book of 1 John. John wrote this letter to the churches because they were being scammed. They were being scammed by a false toxic culture, a a culture that was really confusing them because it was against the word of God and anything having to do with the word of God. But they were also being scammed by false teachers that were telling them that Jesus was not who the Bible says he was, that not who uh, the apostles were saying he was. There was docetists in the church, and what they were saying was they were teaching that all matter is evil. They believed that physical matter is evil. The only thing that was good was the spirit, and therefore Jesus was God, but he wasn't truly a man because spirits, I mean, the, the physical matter is evil, and so God would not be a man. Then you had Gnostics. Gnostics, I'm boiling this down to the basics. Gnostics basically said, that Jesus was a man whom the Christ came upon at his baptism and then departed just prior to his crucifixion because God would have not been crucified and all that kind of stuff. And it was just confusing the church because it sounded like, well, I mean, would God really be a man? It was confusing the church, right? Because, and it was toxic because if God wasn't, I mean, if Jesus wasn't fully God, he wouldn't have been perfect and therefore not able to pay the price of sin for imperfect man. If he were not fully man, he wouldn't have been able to stand as a substitute in our place. It's essential that he's fully God, fully man, and they were being confused by that. 
okay? Now, today, people are being confused by all kinds of toxic philosophies, thoughts, doctrines, philosophies. The toxic culture that we live in confuses people. It makes people think that, that the scripture is not necessarily true. Uh, and it makes people believe that Jesus is not necessarily who he says he was, didn't teach the things that he said he taught, and it creates this confusion among the church. It waters down the faith. The churches all over America are full of people who are wishy-washy and are confused and doubt their salvation, and so this letter from 1 John is so spot on. That's why we're calling it verified, because he gives this test to verify our faith. Today, we come to chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, and what John's going to do today is he's going to help us have some tools. I'm going to break it down to two different important things that we must have in order to discern and detect false philosophies, false teachings, and toxic culture and not be confused by those. So let's dive in, and we're going to read, and I'm going to, I'm going to read uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, and then I'm going to read verse 6, we're going to, and that's going to be the first point I'm going to break down, and then we're going to go 4 and 5. So, so let's read it together. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. I'm going to say that again because church, listen, <laughs> this is important. Do not believe everything you hear. Do not believe everything you read on the interweb, Okay. Do not believe everything you read in a book. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. He's responding to the false teaching of the Docetists and the the Gnostics who are saying Jesus wasn't really fully God, okay? And he's saying, man, uh, they're, they're, they're wrong. And he said, look, look, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So he says, you've heard of the Antichrist. He's this future uh, personality, and we're going to talk about him in Revelation, right? We're going to preach through the book of Revelation starting in January. I hope you're here. So, so he's this future personality that leads, he's opposed to Christ and leads the church away from Christ. But it's not just a future personality, Listen, John says false teachers that say Jesus is anything but who the Bible says he is, is an antichrist. Boy, that wouldn't go over today's world, in our, in our tolerant world today. Uh, he's their antichrist. So the spirit of the antichrist is here. Now let's go on. It says, we are from God. Who are we? The apostles. The apostles are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. He's talking about the word of God, the apostles' teachings here. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. If you don't know God, you don't listen to the word. You don't live by the word. That makes sense. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So how do we know the spirit of truth and spirit of error? How do we know? John tells us. How, how do you remain steady? How do you not be confused? How do you not fall prey to false teachings? How are you not scammed out of your, uh, your uh, uh, assurance of salvation? Uh, what, what do you do to discern and to navigate this? How do you know the spirit of error, the spirit of truth? One, be filled with the word of God. Be filled with the word of God. John says, uh, you know, we are from God, and those who, who follow God uh, believe us. In other words, he's talking about the apostles' teaching, which is the word of God. 
How do you discern truth and error? Be filled with the word of God. In other words, Christian, listen to me. Listen to me. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe every, everything. Test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe it, right? You, you, you cannot believe uh, when so, everybody who talks about Jesus, because everybody who talks about Jesus is not necessarily talking about the real Jesus. Every pastor who's got pastor before his name, just because he has pastor before his name, believe it or not, even if he's got a big church and, and, and sells best-selling books, that doesn't mean he knows what he's talking about, right? That's why I tell you, I plead with you, do not just take what I say, that's it, Pat said it, I'm a human being. I made a mistake before, I made one four or five years ago, okay? I was wrong once, I can be wrong again. Don't take, I'm kidding, obviously. Don't take everything I say, Pat said, test what I say by the truth. Measure it by the word of God. That's our authority. Don't believe everything you hear just because someone says it. Listen, you know what John's talking about? Something that I believe is missing horribly in our world today, and that's critical thinking. He's talking about critical thinkers. He's talking about, listen, we just believe everything. We live in an age to where we just get our information from a swipe. Scroll, swipe, scroll, swipe. You you ask most of our teenagers where they get their news. It's from TikTok or or it's from, you know, uh, Instagram. And uh, I mean, uh, Facebook. I mean, uh, you you know, the media. I, I don't know if you know this or not. They're literally, I cannot find, I do not know one objective national reporter. I don't know one. You cannot show me one. Did did you realize that? Let let me tell you how bad it is. The New York Times recently fired the editor of their opinion page. Why? Because he actually printed an opinion of someone who wasn't liberal, an opinion of someone who was a liberal. 40 reporters from the New York Times went and said, we quit if you don't fire him for printing an opinion we disagree with. They fired him. Okay, that tells you, we, you can't believe. When you're reading the media, it's lying to you. It's, it's, it's not telling you the whole story. It's, it's not telling you the whole story. So you can't believe everything you hear. You have to have a critical thinking. Now, by nature, I'm a skeptic, okay? And so I dig in on everything. By nature, I'm a skeptic, and, and I dig in. So don't believe everything you hear. When it comes to preaching, when it comes to pastors, when it comes to books from the Christian bookstore, when it comes to podcasts, don't believe everything you hear. Test the spirit by the truth, the word of God. Be filled with the word of God. Some, some false teaching is absolutely easy to, to determine. Okay, some false teaching is absolutely easy to determine. Let, let me give you some examples. And in doing this, I know when I watch this, it's like, oh man, he, this, is, this, is, this is hateful. It's hate speech because I, I, I'm gonna say some people are wrong, okay? And, 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 and I, I wanna I give you an example of some false teaching that's stealing the souls of people. And it's, and it's deceptive, but if you dive in, it's pretty easy to discern. Then I wanna give you some that's not so easy to discern and it's really destructive. First, let me give you a couple. One, Mormons, okay? Mormons look very wholesome. Mormons look very family-oriented. 
I mean, man, the, you know, they got their white shirts and their black ties and, you know, and I mean, you see them in town and one of the deals now is, I mean, for a while they would come to churches and try to break that down and now they're on Facebook. They're trying to befriend you on Facebook. I don't know if that's happened. It happens to me all the time. And then they want to send you a video or a Bible or it's not a Bible really. It's a, and then it goes to the Book of Mormon and all this kind of stuff. And people think, man, they're pretty wholesome and pretty, uh, and, and, but really they're a toxic cult that's, that's, that's absolutely scamming the souls of millions of people. And you say, that was harsh. They're a cult? I mean, aren't they a denomination? Don't they just, no. There are many distinguishing marks of a cult, but there are two really distinguishing marks that, that we can accentuate that makes it easy. One is cults are someone, it's defined as a cult, if they give equal authority to God and man. Folks, here at LifePoint, God is our authority. The Bible is our authority. I hope that I have spiritual authority in your life as your pastor, okay? Uh, yeah, that, I, I hope that's, uh, that, that's good for you. I hope I have spiritual authority in your life as your pastor, but God is the ultimate authority. If I go, ever go against anything God says, then I'm wrong. You follow God, okay? You do what God says. In the, in the Mormon church, in the Mormon belief system, uh, you have Joseph Smith who, who found some plates or, or whatever, and Joseph Smith is as authoritative as God. He wrote a book, it's called the Book of Mormon. It's as authoritative as the Bible. Okay, now not only that, it's whoever their current president is at the moment, his name is Russell Nelson. Whatever Russell Nelson says is as authoritative as God. So if he tells you to do something that is not in line with the Bible, you do what he said. Check one, that's a cult. Check two is that they believe that Jesus is something different than what the Bible says Jesus is. That's a huge red marker of a cult, right? Well, let's see what the Mormons believe about Jesus and let's see if they're a cult. You and I, as Christians, we believe the Bible says Jesus is God. Fully God, fully man. He is eternal. His birth was not his beginning. That was his, the beginning of his physical time on earth. He is eternal. John 1, 1, the same guy who wrote 1 John, wrote the Gospel of John, and he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things that were made were made through him. He's the creator. He's eternal. He's God. That's what the Bible says about Jesus. Well, here's what the Mormons say. The Mormons say that Jesus came about from a sexual relationship between God and Mary. And he was born, and that was his beginning. And he was not always God. He actually earned godhood by what he did, because you can earn being a god. And that's what Jesus did. And so is that the Jesus that the Bible says? No. It's good for Mormons, though, because you too, if you're a Mormon, can become a god just like Jesus. As a matter of fact, Mormons have a saying that, as man is, God once was. As God is, man can become. Brigham Young from BYU University says that God created men and women with the express purpose of becoming a God like him. Okay? So is this the Jesus of the Bible? Well, let, let, let's, let's go further and see. They believe Jesus and Lucifer are brothers. That's a little different isn't it, than, than what the Bible teaches. And they both presented a plan of salvation to the heavenly council, Heavenly Council of Gods, of which you two can become one. They both presented a plan of salvation to the Heavenly Council. Jesus' plan was accepted, and that made Satan really mad, Lucifer really mad. And so he led a rebellion in heaven. A little bit of truth mixed in. He led a rebellion in heaven, and some angels followed him. Well, he got defeated, and he got thrown out of heaven. See the little bit of truth mixed in? He got defeated and got thrown out of heaven. But this is where it gets like really damning that no one even realizes. So they believe that all the angels... 
that fought with Lucifer in the battle in heaven and were thrown out of heaven are marked with black skin. Do you believe that? They do. That's what they believe. They're the most racist group you will ever see. You would not know that, though. So they believe, they, that matter of fact, they would not allow a, a, a man or woman with black skin to be admitted to Brigham Young until the 1970s. Go check it, until the 1970s. And that was purely for an athletic reason because they needed the cash from athletics. Now, is that, does that make sense to you? So let me ask you this. Now, when a Mormon knocks on your door, and, and man, they look wholesome. They're, they used to have commercials when I, uh, years ago that were very family-oriented, and they're not really family-oriented at all because they would tell a, a, a man who's married to a Mormon woman if that Mormon woman came and said, man, I, I'm gonna really, I've, I've, I've heard the gospel today, and I believe Jesus is not that Jesus, but he's real, and he was God, and I'm gonna, I, I, I'm gonna give my life to Jesus, and I'm going to Life Point Church. Then they're, they're all over, they would say, if you wanna be a God, and you wanna and let future gods come into this world, that's not your woman. Divorce her and marry someone else. Okay, so it's not very family-oriented. It's very racist, and they don't believe Jesus is who he said he is, and they give authority to a man as equal to God. Now, that's a false teaching. That's an anti. John called it a. See, now, when, 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 I'm, when, when I talk about this, that makes people go. I, I, I talked about this one time, and I got an email from some, some woman in California or something that says, man, that was awfully hateful. I'm like, well, John called them an antichrist. I'm not that hateful. I mean, that's what John said. If they don't believe who Jesus is, that's an antichrist. Okay? So it's not hateful. I, I'm trying to help you to understand. False teaching, Jehovah Witness. We got people who come out of the Jehovah Witness in our church. Uh, Jehovah Witness, like Mormons, have their own Bible. Jehovah Witness do not believe in the Trinity. They do not believe that Jesus is equal with God. They believe that He was created, not equal with God. That's why they don't celebrate birth, uh, birthdays or holidays. It's a cult, okay? And so you got these that are. When you get into the teaching, you're like, okay, man, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fall for those things. When you begin to dive in, but the missionaries that come to your door really don't know all these things because see they are only allowed to read what their elder gives them if you give a mormon missionary a book he or she cannot read that book until they take it to their elder and say can i read this okay so they don't necessarily know because you're let in on these things as you go deeper and so but when you know these things you're like okay hold on a minute time out that's false teaching that's pretty easy to recognize isn't it Okay, now, let's go to some that are not as easy, that are in the churches in America, that are ravaging the churches in Africa, uh, that are ravaging the churches in South America, and that are destroying the churches in America. And one is the health and wealth prosperity gospel. And you think, well, hold on a minute, the health and wealth prosperity gospel? I mean, we see, we see this is everywhere. The health and wealth prosperity gospel tells people that if you will give your heart to Jesus and your money to me, God will bless you immensely. And so what it does is it calls people to, to, to come to God to get something. Come to God, you'll get a new car. Come to God, you'll get a new house. Come to God, you'll, man, your, your teeth will be filled with gold. I don't know. Come to God and you'll, you'll get something, right? Rather than come to God, what does the Bible say? You come to God to get God. That's it. He is the blessing. When you look at the apostles, they were all killed, murdered, hung upside down, boiled in pots of oil. I don't think it fleshes out. Give your heart to Jesus, and you're going to, like, get everything you ever wanted. Costi Hinn is the, the nephew of one of the most famous health and wealth preachers 
in, in the world. His name is Benny Hinn. Perhaps you've seen him. I've seen him one time. Amy and I watched him on TV one time. It was pure entertainment. That's why we watched it. I couldn't turn it off. It was a train wreck. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, passing a car. I mean, I seen him, and man, he was, he was the choir was behind him, and he, and he turned around because he had the power of God in his hand. He was just throwing it around like a baseball, right? I mean, and he turned around and went to the choir, and he went, oh, fool you. Choir, you know what's coming. Oh, fooled you. And he didn't, he didn't use the power of God. And then all of a sudden he went, Phew, and the whole choir went, thump, 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 like dominoes. I, I, can't, I mean, I can't turn this off. I mean, this, I can't turn it. I got to watch this. There's a sucker born every day. And right there's a whole choir full of them right there. Costy Hinn is his nephew. He wrote a book called God, Greed, and the Prosperity Gospel. You can go read it. He says that I wrote this book to let people know that my uncle and everybody like him is destroying people's souls. I wrote it because I wanted people to know that it is the most damning and destructive false teaching plaguing the church today. His words. He says that every road paved by the prosperity gospel leads to hell. It exploits the poorest and most vulnerable people in the world by promising them something to get their cash. That's from him. One of the, one of the, one of the, one of the most well-known stands up and says, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I want to say, if you'll just read it, it says that you're not preaching the truth. That's who you are, right? So you got the prosperity gospel. It's plaguing the church. It's not the true gospel. How do I know? I measure, I test the spirit by reading the word. And when I read the word, does, I, does it say that God, you are the apple of God's eye and God will give you everything you want if you'll just send me a seed? Does it say that? No, don't fall for that, folks. Don't fall for that. It's robbing, it's plaguing the church. Okay, don't fall for that. Here, here's another one, the health and wealth gospel. What about the social gospel? Man, this is big among millennials because, see, millennials are disenfranchised with the organized church. Like, we want disorganized church, okay? Like, who's got your kids today? I don't know. They're running in the hallway. We didn't organize. We can't have organized religion. You know? I mean, because millennials are like, they're, they're, they're fed up with organized church. And so, it's like, I want to replace personal repentance with just doing good. Do good. Just, do, just serve people. Just love people. And so, here's what we do. How do we feel good about ourselves in this? Well, we do good, but really they don't do anything. Well, let me tell you how they do good. Buy a pair of Tom's shoes because, see, if I buy a pair of Tom's shoes, they send a kid in Africa a pair of shoes, but really I get to be stylish in my Tom's shoes and feel good at the same time. You see, companies play off of this social gospel, people reaping major benefits off of the social gospel. Let's do good. Let's just do good. If you just do good. Now, folks, should we do good? Yes, we should do good. Should we serve people in need? Yes, that's what God did. That's what we see Jesus do. James said pure, and pure religion, an undefiled religion, is serving the widows and the orphans. In other words, those that are vulnerable, taking care of people that can't take care of themselves, serving hungry people, right? But let, let me make sure you understand something. We do all that, and we should do all that for church, as a church, and we do. Man, what we do, November's coming up. We're going to bring homeless men and women in here, homeless men, every, I think it's men. I'm not sure if we do women because obviously we don't have a place for all of them to sleep and that wouldn't be good. So I, we, we bring homeless men in every Friday. We feed them. We give them a place to sleep in the cold weather. We do, cut their hair. I say we, you know, our church, you uh, pr provide for that when you give. We, we bring them in. We serve homeless Man, we, 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 we serve the angel tree. We're serving it weary. We serve people in need. We should. 
But let me tell you something. We do all of that with a redemptive purpose in mind. Think about how if I really believe that Jesus Christ, if I really believe that someone who doesn't know Jesus, when they die, will spend all of eternity separated from him in a real place called hell. If I believe that, how shallow and cruel would it be for me to try to give someone a piece of bread to alleviate temporary suffering in this world when they're going to suffer for all of eternity? How, how shallow and cruel would it be for me to give them a piece of bread and, and not give them the gospel? So we serve, but for a redemptive purpose, not just to, 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 to feel good because just do good. We, we do good for a redemptive purpose. That's the social gospel plaguing churches. And, and man, it, 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 it leads to people to a false salvation. Then a third one is you got the tolerance gospel. Man, this is huge in our world. It's huge in our world. See, I've already broken the tolerance gospel today because I said Mormons were wrong. I said Jehovah Witnesses were wrong. Well, we're an equal opportunity offender around here, so let me tell you some other people that are wrong. <laughs> I mean, the, the bottom line is, you know, you've got the tolerance gospel. I completely agree with tolerance, to be, just so you know. I completely, I have friends that are Muslim. I eat dinner. The, the imam, who's the leading imam in Nashville, is a friend of mine. I eat dinner at his house. My kids play with his kids. I, 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 I believe in tolerance. We, we, we are in a country that one of our foundational principles in our constitution, you know what that is, one of our foundational principles is freedom of religion for the moment. We've had that for a couple of hundred years, okay? Freedom of religion. If somebody wants to build a mosque, am I gonna stand in their way and say, oh, I'm not gonna fight building that mosque? No, that would be crazy. I want churches to be built, you know? I, I want churches to be built in Muslim countries, that would be crazy. I can't force people to become a Christian. Man, I, I can't force them. I'm not going to force them. That, 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 you know, that, that, that's, that's taking it by force. I'm not going to do that. That's the Holy Spirit's job. My job's to preach the truth. So do I tolerate Muslims, people that think differently than me? Sure, that's a basic biblical principle. Do I tolerate Hindus? Sure. Do I tolerate atheists? Sure. Do I tolerate tree huggers? Maybe not. I mean, yes, yes, yes. Sure, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You know, have some fun, I'm kidding. So uh, I, I believe in tolerate, to, tolerance. The problem is the definition of tolerance is not tolerance. We've changed the definition of tolerance to I can't disagree with you. See, if I disagree with you, I'm not tolerant. If I say you're wrong, I'm surely you can't say a Muslim is wrong. I'll pass lead to heaven. You're saying, man, you're, you're awful. You're, you're, you're a prideful bigot. You are arrogant if you think you're the only way. Listen, I, surely you're not educated. We're more educated than that. We're more involved than that. We have more information than that. See, that's the gospel of tolerance, and here's what it's created. It's created, and here's, I think this is where I got really passionate in the, in, in the last, uh, last service, because what it's created is it's created this, this, this public pressure and public shaming of Christians to deny, or at best, not promote basic biblical doctrines and basic biblical beliefs. And you're shamed if you believe in a basic biblical belief. You believe, in, you believe that God actually created gender? You believe God actually created man and woman? I mean, you're, you're uneducated if you believe that in our world. And Christians are like, oh. You believe that God actually created sex to be between a man and a woman? 
marriage to be between one man and one woman? You, you believe that? And, and it's not open to, you know, love is love and water is water? You believe that? You believe that a fetus is a life? I mean, come on, you're backwoods. Yeah, I knew you was born up in the Appalachian Mountains where you had to pop the sunlight back to you, right? I mean, listen, that's the pressure that we're under to believe a fetus is a baby, a real life that should be protected. I mean, listen, if, you don't have, if you're a virgin when you're married, you're a freak. Did you know that? I mean, if you're a man, listen, man, man, this is, listen to me. If you're a man and you go to church, read your Bible, work, tithe, you're a unicorn. Did you know that? And are faithful to your wife in our world. You're a unicorn if you do those things. I mean, listen, we're, we're, we're literally shamed, public shamed, into, into not just believing, and are at best, do not promote this basic biblical truth. And that's why I'm telling you, we're headed to a point to where you're gonna have to bail me out of jail, okay? For promoting basic biblical truths. I mean, and, and that's, that's a shame. So that's the tolerance gospel. That's the tolerance gospel. You've got the churchless gospel. Oh, the churchless gospel says, just believe in Jesus and you don't have to go to church. You know, just believe in Jesus. I, I can go to church where I don't have to go to church. I don't have, well, the pr only problem with that is, is you're, you're the antichrist because you're believing in something completely different than what Jesus taught because the church is the bride of Christ, right? I mean, you, man, you've got so many different false gospels that are plaguing the church and Christians today are like, I don't know, man. It sounds good. I know this guy and he's a Muslim. I know this guy and he's a homosexual. Man, he loves me and he's a good man. I, man, I, I watch this TV program and, 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 and this guy on there, oh, he's the nicest guy, but this guy on there who claimed to be a Christian, he, this guy wasn't. I mean, he was hateful. I, I think, I, why can I, how can I say that guy's wrong? And it's confusing. And, it, and it's leading our children, and, and it's leading our adults, and it's just, I, I hate this world. I hate this world. I hope you hate it too. But listen, what, so, what, so what do we do? The, the false doctrines, the false, the, the false teachings, the false philosophies, the toxicity of the culture, it's been here from the beginning. It, it's not just now. It's always been, and it always will be until Jesus returns. Since, since Genesis 3 until the return of Jesus, that's what it'll be. So how do we navigate it and keep our minds? How do we navigate it, not lose our assurance? How do we navigate it, not go crazy? And how do we make sure our kids are raised in a world and our grandkids are raised in a world to where, man, they have some sense of biblical truth? How, how do we do that? I think that's what John is saying. You gotta be filled with the word of God. You gotta be filled with the word of God. You test the spirits. You think critically, church. You don't believe everything you hear. You think critically. And it's not based on what Pat Hood said. It's not based on what some preacher said. It's based on what God said. Does what they say line up with the word of God? And so what do we know that the Bible says? Well, and very basically, what well, we know that the Bible says, the, what's the Bible say about Jesus Christ? Because you see, people say, the Muslims say he was a prophet like Moses, you know, I mean, Hindus say, man, he's a good man. I mean, people will say, oh, he was great. What does the Bible say? Here's what the Bible says. He's eternal. The Bible says that before the world existed, Jesus existed. He never had a beginning because he is eternal. He is the one who created the world. 
He was born of a virgin, not between a sexual relationship between God and Mary, but of someone who had never had a sexual relationship. He was, uh, uh, he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he was born of a virgin that he lived a perfect life without sin, never thought a bad thought, never said a b- wrong word, never did a bad action. He was perfect, lived for 33 years, was murdered because uh, he was a threat to the religious establishment, murdered on a cross, come back from the dead three days, taught his disciples 40 days, ascended into heaven where he is right now. He came and he will return this time as a conquering king who will come to judge. That's what the Bible says Jesus is. Anybody who says anything different, I'm sorry this would never let me run for president, is an antichrist. I didn't say it, the Bible does. Okay? That's what the Bible says, not Pat. I read the Bible. I read the Bible. You know what the Bible also tells me? The Bible says that Jesus is the only way to heaven. How do we get to heaven? There are many ways, as long as you're sincere. No, the Bible says there's one way. Any other way besides Jesus, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus said. I'm the only way to heaven. You can't get there by worshiping Allah. Listen, Allah is a word for God. The Arabic Christians call God Allah. We're not talking about the same God. It's not the same God. They say Jesus was not God. Therefore, they do not worship the same God. Hindus do not worship the same God. They do not believe the same things. Tree huggers, I don't know what they worship. (laughs) Neither do they. Anything goes. Listen, there's one way. That's what the Bible says. So when, so when I'm felt pressure to go, oh, oh man, is it wrong for me to say someone's going to hell if they don't believe in Jesus? That's what the truth says. That's what the Bible says. Should I say it? Only if you believe Jesus and are submitted to his word. That's what the Bible says. There's no other ways. Is church necessary? If you love Jesus, if you love Jesus, you're going to love his bride. Church is necessary. Church is not optional for the believer. Jesus died for his bride. You're a part of the bride. That's what, that's what the Bible says. Is church necessary? Only if you believe in Jesus. Did God create gender? It can, 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 is there such a thing as a gender? Yes. There's man, there's woman. I mean, that's what the Bible says. Did God create marriage between, I mean, two human beings? No. One has to be a man, one has to be a woman, according to God's word. That's not Pat's philosophy, okay? Is sex about anybody, anything, anywhere, anytime you want? Not according to God's word. Can a man live with his girlfriend? Not according to, yeah, you can. You'll be breaking God's word. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says about gender. That's what the Bible says about sexuality. What does, I don't have to be confused I don't have to wonder, oh man, it sounds good. Am I hateful in saying it? Well, you might be hateful in the way you say it. Because listen, all these things, and you're going, oh man, he's he's offending everybody today. Well, that's not what I mean to do. I'm preaching to the church to help you to understand. But what does the Bible say about how I talk to people? I do it with love and I do it with grace. That's why I go out to dinner with Muslims and Hindus, and that's why I hug people who are gay. That's why I sit and I talk with people who, uh, uh, you know, believe in cisgender. In other words, take take male and take female out of the equation. Man, I, I, I sit down and have a meal with them. I laugh with them. Why? Because 
That's true tolerance. That's true love. That's what Jesus did. Remember the woman at the well? Remember the woman caught in adultery, thrown before him? Man, he wasn't hateful. He was loving, but he told the truth. But he was loving. That's what the Bible says. What does the Bible say about race? What does the Bible say about equality? Well, that's easy. You don't have to be confused in our world today. Listen, I want to make very clear, and I know this is going around the world, I do not agree with a, a theory that's out there called the critical race theory. It's about, it's, it's basically cultural Marxism, and I do not agree with that, okay? Uh, but here's what I, I know, there's a part of that, here, here's what I do know. I do not believe that race is a biblical construct, I believe is a social construct. I don't believe that the color of skin is any different than the pigments that make my hair antique blonde and yours not a different color, okay? To say someone's skin color makes them different, it's like saying, well, their hair color makes them different. Race is a social construct. It's not a biblical construct. God created all men, women, children equal, and if we do not think that, we are absolutely the Antichrist. What does the Bible say? You know why we get confused? Because we don't know. That's why we get confused. That's why we, we, we I don't know what to do. I feel proud because we don't know. Folks, listen, the problem is we're not filled with the word of God. I want to challenge you, church, to be filled with the word of God. I want to challenge you to fill your kid's head with the word of God. It's the greatest thing you can do. Be filled with the word of God. That's why we don't know. Because if we measure, if we test the spirit by the truth, it becomes a lot less difficult. Now, the second thing, and, and, and I know I'm, I'm over here, but when have I ever paid time to attention, attention to the clock? But the second thing, first is to be filled with the Word of God. The second thing is to be filled with the Spirit of God. That's what I believe he says in 4 and 5. He says this in 4 and 5. He says, little children. Oh, he's loving, man. He's like, see, he's talking to them as children because this is a dangerous world, and I want to help my kids be able to drive a car and know how to drive a car, so I'm teaching them. I want them to know how to, how to play. I want them to know how to, how, to, how to have a relationship without being eaten alive in this world. That's what he's doing. He's a pastor loving his congregation like little children. That's what I want to do to you. It's like I'm, I'm trying to help you not get eaten alive in this world. And he says, little children, you are from God. You are from God. What encouragement. And have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Who is that? The Holy Spirit. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. Here's what he says. You know why they do not believe the things you do about whether a, ba a, a fetus is a, a, a literal baby, a human being, why they don't believe what you do about gender, about sexuality, why they don't believe what you do about the Word of God being the Word of God, why they don't believe what you do about sex before marriage, sex after marriage. You know why they don't believe that? Because they don't love God, know God, and live by His Word. And only those who know God who can, and have the Spirit of God can understand the Word of God. They're from the world, he said. The one who is in you, who's in you? The Holy Spirit. So if you want to navigate this world, you've got to be filled with the Word of God, but you have to be filled with the Spirit of God because only the man who is full of the Spirit of God can understand the Word of God. That's what Jesus said in John. He 
who does not know me cannot understand what I'm saying because he's not from God. That's what, Paul, that's what Corinthians says. Paul says, a man who does not have the spirit cannot understand things of the spirit. So, Paul said, so John says, be full of the spirit. Now, let me help you to understand what that means to be full of spirit because there's a lot of different teachings out there today. And being full of the spirit does not mean that as a Christian, you're empty of something that you need to fill yourself up with. Okay, it does not mean a second baptism or a second experience. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible teaches about the Spirit. What does the Bible say? Remember, let's go there. The Bible teaches that the moment that you are saved, the Holy Spirit, bam, invades your life. Now, in in, in Acts, what happened the day of Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit descended flames of tongues of fire, right? The sound of a rushing wind drew everybody's attention. The Holy Spirit descended, filled believers. Why, why was it like that then? And why is, it, why is it at the moment of salvation today? Because here's, the, here's the, the deal with that. The Old Testament, Moses, let's take, the Holy Spirit did not live within his soul. He didn't live within his, it was inside of him. Noah, Samson, the Holy Spirit didn't live within them because their sin had not yet been atoned for on the cross by Jesus. So the Holy Spirit came up on them to perform miraculous, amazing feats for the kingdom of God. Like Samson, the Holy Spirit came upon him. He picked up the jawbone of an ass, donkey. I'm sorry, parents. Uh, it's in the Bible. So an ass, and he killed thousands of uh, a thousand Philistines. Right? He killed a thousand with a jawbone of a donkey. I mean, man, you watch Rambo and think, that could never happen. Oh, yeah, it can. With the Spirit of God, it can. It did with the jawbone of a donkey. How can he do that? The Spirit of God. He came upon him for that feat. He came upon people in the Old Testament. But when Jesus died, he paid the price for the sin of those who would believe. So the moment that you believe, the Holy Spirit invades you. So you got all the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get. You're never going to get more of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to say, Holy Spirit, come into me more. You've got all you're going to get. The question is, how much of you does he have? That's the real question. So being filled with the Spirit in a biblical sense means being yielded to the Spirit. Yielded to the Spirit. I yield my agenda to the Word of God. So I'm filled with, how do I, how do I navigate this crazy world and help my kids navigate this crazy world? I'm filled with the Word of God, and I'm, I'm filled with the Spirit of God. So when I go to the Word, because here's what happened. The John, the Apostle John, wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Okay, as Paul wrote Corinthians, uh, John also wrote, I'm sorry, Revelation. He wrote it with his own hand in his personality. But... He was inspired by the Spirit so that it wasn't his words, it was the Word of God. So when you read Paul, you see a different personality writing that than when you see John, because he wrote it in his personality, but the words he wrote was dictated by the Holy Spirit so that it was the words of God, making it absolute truth, good for all people, all places, all time, because it wasn't John's word, it was God's word. Okay, that's called the inspiration. That's why we can trust it. So there's inspiration of the scripture, but then now when I, as a believer, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I go, and the Holy Spirit has inspired that word, and I pray, Holy Spirit, please illuminate this word to me so that I understand it, open my mind. That's why if you're a believer, you read a verse, and God gives you something, you can read again. And listen, I've been following Jesus for 40 some years. I have been reading the Bible for 40 some years. I have advanced degrees from the seminary. And sometimes I can read a verse like John 3, 16, and God still pulls out something that I never saw before. It's called illumination. So you're filled with the Spirit of God. You're filled with the Word of God, filled with the Spirit of God that illuminates the Word of God. 
and you're filled with the Spirit, which means you're yielded to it. So that when I go to the Word and the Word says, one man, one woman, I don't have to go. I don't have to Thomas Jefferson the Bible. What do you mean Thomas Jefferson the Bible? Well, see, Thomas Jefferson, he's one of our founding fathers, signed the Declaration of Independence. He's what we call a deist. He believed that God wound the world up, created it, wound it up, threw it into orbit, sits back and watches it and laughs. He actually took the Bible, cut out all the Bible, only cut out the Bible that he agreed with, threw the rest of it away and said, this is what I want. You know what, that's what we do all the time. We Thomas Jefferson, that Bible. You can go look it up, it's called the Jefferson Bible. You can go look it up. Thomas Jefferson cut out the parts he didn't like, kept the parts he did. Christians do that all the time. You see, I like the blessing part, but I don't like the repentance part. I like the heaven part, but I don't like the part that I wear. I like Jesus forgiving me, but I don't like the part where I've got to forgive you. Right? I mean, we do that all the time. I like the, I like the, 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 the part that absolutely blesses me, but I don't like the part where I can't have sex whenever I want to with him whenever I want to. I don't like those parts. So we go filled with the Spirit, which means yielded to the Spirit, so that when God's Word says it, I believe it, that's it. By the way, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. When God's Word says it, that settles it. But you go to it and you yield yourself to God's word. Then you're not confused. You know why? You know, you know why it's so hard in our world? Why we're being publicly shamed and don't know what to do and why we're being publicly criticized and shamed and pressured to not literally promote basic biblical beliefs and why we're being made to, be, to, to feel like villains and why we're literally being made to be bigots and everything and we're allowing it to... To, to force us to be quiet. You know why? Because we're not filled with the word of God, Christian. We need to be full of the word of God and full of the Holy Spirit. And when we're full, when we yield ourselves to the word, it becomes so much easier. And it's for your good, it's not for your harm. You know what I preach every week, and I hope what you've heard today, here's what I hope you've heard, because I would never want you to leave or watch online and leave. I would never want you to leave going, man, he's just up there talking, and, and I mean, man, he's running down everybody. No, I'm trying to help you little children know the toxicity of the world, and I'm trying to help you to love this world without being eaten alive by this world, and how you present these things to people matters just as much as what you present. It's, just ask your wife. It's not always what you say, but it's how right? And so you should do that in love and grace, right? You should be, you should be the most loving and grace-filled people there is, not spewing hate. But the reason that we don't, we get eaten alive is because we don't know the word. Church, I want to challenge you today. If you are a Christian, begin to fill your mind. Listen, discernment's not about being smart. It's about being spiritual, if I'm in trouble, if I need help, if I need counsel from someone, I'm not looking for a guy with a doctorate degree. I'm not looking for the smartest guy in the room or gal in the room. I'm looking for the most spiritual guy or gal in the room. That's who I'm looking for. That's who I'm looking for. My papa didn't have an education, taught me more than any doctorate degree person I've ever met in my life. I'm looking for the most spiritual person, not the smartest person, okay? Be full of the word of God, full of the spirit of God. And I promise, man, you'll begin to test the spirits by the truth and it'll help you navigate this crazy world we live in. So church, here's what I wanna challenge you to do. I, I wanna challenge you, you can get on our website, lifepointchurch.org slash Bible, and there's Bible reading plans there. 
I, well, I just finished one called the ESV Chronological Reading Plan. It takes you chronologically through the Bible. It's great. In one year, in one year, and I go, go to the, just Google ESV Chronological Reading Plan. Google it, man. You can print it off, and it'll tell you every day what uh, a pastor read in chronological order. Fill your mind with the with the Word of God. Fill your kids' mind with the Word of God, so that you won't be eaten alive by this world. Okay, if you're not a Christian, here's what I want to say. Jesus is the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. He's the only way to God. That's based on his word. That's what I believe because God said it, and I want you to believe it. I want you to be saved, and if you don't know Jesus, then I challenge you to text. If you're watching online, text. If you're out of the country, 1-615-551-9800. Text the word Jesus. Don't text Jesus. I don't know his number, but text the word Jesus to 1-615-551-9800. If you're in the room, you can do the same thing, or you can come and see us. Someone will be in touch with you really soon to help process that with you. We really want you to know Jesus. You know, if, if you want to know more about our church, text the word connect to that same number. If you need prayer, text the word pray. It'll start a dialogue. You can help us know what to pray. We'll pray for you. You need us to come and pray for you. Man, you need us to come and anoint you with oil. We'll, our elders will do that if you'll let us know. If you're, you know, maybe within a short drive, can't guarantee you we can get on a plane and fly to Africa. But we'll have somebody to do it. Would you text us? My little children, John says, because he doesn't want them to get eaten alive. I hope this helps you not get eaten alive. Be full of the word of God, full of the spirit of God. Every day before I preach, every Sunday before I preach, one of my prayers is this. God, I don't want to get up today and just share my words. My words are not going to mean anything. I want to preach the word of God to the people of God in the power of God for the glory of God. God, help me to preach the word of God to the people of God in the power of God for the glory of God. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. God, I, I know it's easy to be confused in our world. We're, we're just shaped and molded and bombarded from every, we're pummeled from every different direction. God, I pray that Christians would fill them, their minds with the word of God, that we would continually be filled with the spirit of God so that we could navigate this crazy world. And I pray that we would not be shamed. Or Lord, I know we're going to be shamed. I pray that we would not allow the shaming, the ridicule, the pressure to make us cower in fear and not present basic biblical, stand for basic biblical truths, but God, I pray that we would be loving in the world. I pray that the world would not look at us as a hateful bunch, but they would look at us as a bunch that says what we believe in love and grace and, and, and peace, God. God, I pray for that. God, I pray that we would see you rise up in the church and do amazing things, that we would see your Holy Spirit fall and descend, that we would see you consume this place, that we would see stuff that happened in Acts begin to happen again right now. Lord, we pray for that. I pray that your people are full of the word of God, full of the spirit of God, for the glory of God. Save people today. God, help Christians to awaken from our slumber, run hard after God. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.